Welcome to the Global E-Commerce Tech Talks podcast. This is the 2021 forecast. Get your magic eight ball, get your looking glass, get your whatever. So welcome, uh, Kent, Scott, and Jim. Great to have you all on the uh, on the podcast. Scott, why don't I start off with you? So Gelf is a fantastic conference in person um, that I attended many times. As we pivoted that event to be a virtual event, uh, most recently Oktoberfest, Share with me a little bit about the lessons that that we learned along the way uh, about the conference and about putting these conferences on and about events and moving into the virtual world. What, What are your thoughts on that? Most importantly, we learned that even without being together in person, you can still have a strong community. Uh, If you have good content, um, either that you're producing on your own or the ability to round it up from different members in the community, if you package it up in the right way, it can be valuable to that community. We probably were all worried about when this first happened and didn't know when we would get together in person again is is if you can even get through it. But I think as we started moving through this and planning things like virtual lunches instead of regional dinners and doing our virtual, you know, our Gulf Oktoberfest instead of our in-person event in New York, and then augmenting all of that with things like webinars on a pretty regular basis that there was a lot of information to share with our community. I think we also learned that there's one little silver lining in all of this, which is it's a little bit easier to get speakers to participate and engage because they don't have to travel anywhere. In this crowd in particular, which seems to be on a plane or was on a plane all the time, uh, that's not the case anymore. So they're a little more available than they have been in the past. As far as looking into what we think, you know, what we see happening in 2021, I think it's going to be an interesting year, certainly for the first half of the year. We are planning on things to be virtual. We're doing another uh, big virtual summit called Accelerate. It's going to be two afternoons on March 18th and 25th. Uh, We're going to continue doing the lunch and learns. We're going to continue doing webinars. And we have a few other things we're working on to distribute more of the content that we have access to and everything that we hear from different members of our community and news items that we're seeing. Then as we move into the second half of the year, we need to play it by ear. And we certainly, if things are progressing uh, in a positive way with the vaccine, like they have been so far, then it would be great to at least get a portion of our community together in person in New York uh, in the fall, and then maybe do some things like dinners. And uh, I think there's certainly going to be some pent up demand for people mm-hmm. to see other people in a business capacity, let alone personal one, that I think it'll provide a nice opportunity to bring people together. So knock on wood, fingers crossed, all that other stuff um, that we'll be able to do that. Well, you you, you highlight a couple of things uh, that we have long understood that that conferences have a, an important role in creating and bringing together a community beyond 
you know, just watching the content. Right. And, and I think, uh, I think many people have, have, you know, realized that in some ways by its absence, but other ways, uh, it's still bringing them together in this virtual way that, uh, that you did, you know, in Oktoberfest and many other ways, what you talk about, um, the speakers and the content, it's kind of like, I, I'd make the analogy. It's kind of like, uh, you know, your toast falling off the table and landing butter side up. So I guess it's a bit of the, you know, it's a bit of the upside. In other words, that uh, there's more accessibility to a broader group. And, and, you know, that may, Scott, I want to get your thoughts on that. That may continue uh, well beyond, you know, the pandemic, post-pandemic, post-vaccine that that people are are more willing, I think, as, as, um, as participants in a conference to have someone up on a screen in addition to on the stage and make that that trade-off between, well, I don't see the physical person there, but I still get the great content. So it'll be interesting to see that kind of hybrid approach and how that gets, um, how that washes through. I think, you know, Jim, I want to talk to you later about how, how consumers have changed um, from the pandemic. But I just think from a, a, a community perspective, there's, there's lots of uh, innovation and changes that will happen. Yeah, I, and what I want to add is, I think also what we learned is that and I've always experienced this in my career in in retail and e-commerce, which are fast-moving industries where it, what, the more you can have a network of people and you can learn and hear case studies and best practices, you can avoid making expensive mistakes. And there was a greater need for that in 2020 than I've seen in in my career over I hate, you know, sad to admit more than 20 years in this space, uh, sad because I'm that much older. In 2021, while we have a lot of optimism to look forward to, is still going to be a, a year of change. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, and, and there's even a greater need for the conversations and the content that's going to come out of Gelf dealing with a lot of consumer changes, technology changes, um, economic changes that Jim and Ken are going to dive into a little bit more. So maybe that's a good segue to get into what we see happening in the industry. Yeah, Ken, when we think about, uh, let's start Let's start with a little bit of a rear view mirror. Not much, because our last episode, particularly, which was kind of a sum of Oktoberfest, gave us so many learnings and trends. But as you think about, you know, the top one or two or, th- or three things that you learned about uh, cross-border, uh, in 2020 that it will be part of that industry or part of our industry going forward. Let's start there. And then I want to get the discussion going around the things that you're hearing uh, from clients, executives, the community around um, key thoughts and trends for 2021. Yeah, sure. Um, I think what we'll do is uh, really kind of look at three big buckets. We'll circle back later in the hour, build out some trends and predictions. I think the first bucket has to be the changing of consumer behavior and how the big shift online is driving e-commerce growth and will continue to drive e-commerce growth across the world. I'll let Jim weigh in a little bit later just on, you know, what we're seeing, which is, you know, kind of the last of the laggards really coming online. But, you know, we've done some work looking at markets in Southern Europe, for instance, where, you know, some of the e-commerce penetration was still low. A lot of those retailers, whether they were traditionally brick and mortar, have been hopping online in big numbers. And I think that's going to continue. So we'll look at this consumer shift online driving global e-commerce growth. 
probably the second one is a bit of a catch-all bucket is, and this is where you kind of cue the "We Are the World," uh, you know, music in the background, Michael from from decades ago, which I hate to admit. Bob Geldof, long live Bob Geldof, the Boomtown Rat. Rest in peace, indeed. Um, The whole digital commerce trends and innovation bucket. I think the way that we need to look at this is, is what are e-commerce leaders in one country or region learning from leaders in the others, whether that's, you know, kind of the rise of, of you know, what our friend Deborah likes to call spectacular retail in China, challenges like Brexit that are, are looming and a lot of uh, especially small sellers, you know, really aren't ready for. Then I think the third bucket is really e-commerce technology, and, and obviously that's a big bucket as well. One of the big trends that we're looking at and, and actually have been tracking this in, in recent years is is the evolution from multi-channel to multi-platform. And by platforms, that can include anybody from Amazon to, to Alibaba to the the commerce platforms, whether it's the Salesforce Commerce Cloud or the Adobe Cloud, Shopify probably you know the biggest topic in e-commerce this year. Yeah, big year, big year for Shopify, right? Big year for yeah, you know, especially yeah. as you know. Of course, we'd like to get the Canadians mentioned on this. You know, shout oh, out yeah. to our, our friends north of the border. Oh, Canada! Oh, Canada! So you've got the platforms, and you of course you got the cross-border platforms. And you know, I have invited a lot of the cross-border platforms who you know we really can't do Gelf without their support mm. to weigh in. So I'll circle back with some predictions from them, but. I think the big mega trend here that we started to see in 2020 was this evolution from, you know, what we were calling global distribution platform. So, you know, it's not your father's marketplace platform anymore, but these global distribution platforms are getting bigger. And, and this, this, this move to global ecosystems, global e-commerce technology ecosystems, probably best visualized, if you will, by the acquisitions that we've seen over the past decade at Amazon and and Alibaba. The net net of this is in order to sell, you're going to have to entertain and you're going to have to entertain through, you know, virtual. So those are the three, Mm -hmm. you know, big picture trends that um, or buckets that we'll, we'll kind of flesh out throughout the hour. Jim, I wanted to turn to you and, and get your perspectives on the work you've been doing around changes in consumer behavior. So um, we often hear, you know, an, an acceleration. Of course, e-commerce is kind of the center point on the bingo card, right? Everybody knows e-commerce has been adopted. I guess the the, the billion dollar question, multi billion dollar question, is what of what you know what has changed? Because there's some things that I think consumers have adapted to more than changed given the unusual circumstances. But, you know, the longer this goes on, uh, the more change happens, right? This whole idea of, of consumer behavior uh, or habits is declining, decaying assets. In other words, what we all used to do is different than the things we're going to do. And, and as a second part question, I'm curious about the, the virus impacts differently around the world. China didn't have a very long experience really with the virus. And I'm not sure that we can always learn the lessons from those consumers because they had just had a different experience. So, yeah, it's a long way of saying, tell me what you're seeing and, and learning about uh, consumer behavior. Sure. You know, I think it makes sense to start from consumer behavior change that we've been observing this year. Clearly, an embracing of, of digital retail in, in general, and some of it's certainly born out of it, just necessity. But I, I think the 
consumers that that we've seen kind of come online this this year I, I think is very significant we've been discussing this as the the last great wave of new to e-commerce shoppers generally kind of the older demographic uh, cohorts but i think it certainly applies you know across certainly demographic you know boundaries to those who were just for whatever reason, just just reluctant to or or just not uh, desirous of shopping on online this year, clearly tipped for a lot of these 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 uh, uh, consumer segments, and I think we've we've had lots of discussion, you know, of how permanent or not this behavior is. Certainly, we fall on the the side of you know, this is a a permanent shift in in behavior. And that uh, hopefully, again, you know, a lot of these new to e-commerce shoppers, you know, had good experiences. They they realized that perhaps their fears and concerns, you know, did, didn't, you know, happen and, and that they actually got the goods that they ordered on time, you know, and hopefully even a surprise and delight moments just on, on top of that, which I think, you know, would really reinforce, you know, their, their behavior. Uh, I, I think when we think back to what we've learned over our collective decades in, in e-commerce here, you know, we, we think back to some of those earlier days, uh, you know, in, in, when e-commerce was truly nascent. And, and yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we would see that sort of tentative uh, behavior change, try something, a, a small, low-risk, you know, purchase of a book, online and then you'd kind of graduate to to other you know categories and such this year and just as with so many trends that got mega accelerated i think a lot of these these uh, new to e-commerce shoppers this last great wave uh, of, of online shoppers uh, uh, really kind of dove into the deep end and, and really tried you know more complex omni-channel orders such as curbside pickup and i think what we're in the midst of now with holiday season, uh, uh, hopefully they're they're just seeing again, realizing you know the the convenience of you know gifting you know via via e-commerce. So I, I think you know lots of bullishness. I think you know when you talk about silver linings in this craziest of, of, of years, certainly the that the consumer has uh, truly embraced. Uh, digital retail and obviously the flip side of it is you know the retailers and brands who who are are selling their products online have had to do you know likewise and and provide that kind of capabilities you know that that uh, consumers could embrace so i in a lot of ways i think it's very exciting you know things that we have fought for and been you know advocates for for you know decades literally yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's all those charts we saw earlier in the year. You know, it took us however many years to to get to a certain e-commerce penetration, and within a three-week period, you know, we we had you know accomplished just so much that was really unthinkable for for many of us. You know, in in, in the industry, I was looking at a uh, Forrester report uh, that talked about the growth in grocery e-commerce. I think it was I, I think it was forty-eight percent. I mean, gro- grocery seems to be the the poster child, so to speak, for this category to my mind and i wanted to get your thoughts on this grocery uh shopping online for groceries while not really a cross-border uh shop it is like a flywheel effect in other words that that is the one of the last big hurdles of consumer behavior 
And it, it, it sets the flywheel going into other categories. I know in Canada, uh, my partner Sylvain Charlebois did research uh, and found 4.2 million Canadians shopped online for groceries than the year prior. Like that's huge, right? I mean, we're a population of 30 million people. And that the thinking is that that's going to set that, that flywheel just spinning across all kinds of categories. Would you, would you concur in that, that assessment? I, I definitely would. And I think that kind of essential shopping where, where there was that reinforced behavior because it, it did what it was supposed to do for those consumers will, will again, embolden them to try something different. I think, again, when we've been looking at the, 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 customer journey and the funnel we've been talking from the top of the funnel more the discovery you know portion of of shopping i think is is has clearly you know been been changing you know this this year as well so some of those you know uh, uh, same uh, online grocery you know customers i think you know may now be looking at uh, their social media feed and finding themselves kind of being drawn in you know to execute a, a transaction through instagram or you know a, a other means it, it it really kind of comes back to what kent was uh, uh, mentioning earlier in terms of these ecosystems that are really growing mm -hmm. And I think that that's where what we have unleashed effectively this, this year is, I think, a lifetime of digital shopping for, you know, many consumers who perhaps they never would have, you know, tipped, you know, to, to uh, 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 shopping online, you know, had this uh, uh, pandemic not, not happened. Let me pick up on that, Michael. Um I got some data from our, our friends over at eShop World or ESW as they're going by now. They saw just tremendous amount of cross-border shopping, you know, early in, in November. I think their numbers show that cross-border transactions were up 88%. They, we had already seen a huge growth on Black Friday and Cyber Monday in recent years, but, you know, that went up 36%. So I think to Jim's point, this... I guess the prediction, if you will, is that these older consumers that have come online are going to stick. And, and I think part of that is there's going to be an undercurrent of, of unease among some of these older consumers. But I think an equally important part, especially the older consumers that you know may have retired and may have some or significant uh, disposable income, they're going to be hesitant to to kind of hop back on an airplane and, and, you know, fly to New York or Paris or London to, to go shopping or, you know, obviously the, 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 the big places, you know, whether it's Moscow or, or Shanghai, Beijing, Tokyo in, in the east. What we're going to see is staying closer to home and that may benefit some of the more local retailers and things like that. But I think what we'll see from a cross-border e-commerce perspective is – Again, the shift of some of those higher dollar luxury purchases online. I've seen some data coming out of China just recently. I think it might have been in a, in a report I saw this week where luxury is always, you know, you, you want to go into the boutique and, and touch and feel. And, you know, part of the experience is, is that shopping in the sure, boutique sure. Or, or, you know, going to Madison Avenue. That is being effectively moved over into the online world. So this idea, as I mentioned earlier, of, of spectacular retail, that this idea that the platforms need an ecosystem where they've got technologies that educate and engage and entertain as the front end or the top of the funnel of selling is 
probably one of the bigger predictions and certainly a trend that we've seen this year that has legs. You know, let me follow that thread for a little bit. You mentioned something that I think is is intriguing, and, and that's the role of the associates at the luxury level and the platform's intersecting together so you know one of the things that associates are kind of hardwired in the physical stores for is doing what they do today which is you know greeting people and and in the luxury category making them feel special and and uh, you know there's, there's a whole different caliber of 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 uh, customer interaction and i wonder your thoughts and, and anyone else who wants to chime in you know we've seen uh, certainly in china we've seen it for years this this kind of live visual presentation whether it's an influencer but i have this feeling that the savvy retailers around the world will be demonstrating using their associates who know so much and already have the skills and taking that virtual and doing as you say you know i I might not want to travel to new york or or uh, shanghai or or go to abu dhabi or wherever but i i have the next best thing which is a personalized one-to-one experience do you you think those these things are gonna are gonna intersect together yeah, I mean, Michael, it reminds me of, I think, one of our very first podcasts that we did this year, where we talked to some Chinese leaders in China or natives of China. And live streaming was the first thing they talked about, the, the store associates, especially in the luxury or the jewelry category. You know, people weren't coming into the store, but it took very little time to be live streaming. So, Another prediction is, is I guess you could call it the rise of what we're calling live commerce. Uh, you know, certainly not something that's new. You know, we, we've seen the home networking or the home shopping channels and, and, you know, all those, uh, QVCs of the world over the years. I worked worked for one of them for seven years. Uh, I was about to say, this is, this is, I'm queuing you up for some, uh, walking down the, uh, the past. We'll definitely see that. I think what we'll see is, Again, that gets embedded in the, this ecosystem of, of technologies that the leading platforms will be offering, you know, large brands and, and small sellers alike. Making retail more engaging through live streaming is, is something. And, and Jim, I know, you know, I know we had the shop shops uh, woman at Gelf a couple of years ago, so we were pretty early in seeing this trend. Uh, absolutely, yeah. The the Leah Wu, you know, from Shop Shops, you know, really uh, opened my eyes. You know, this is three years ago now, just to kind of the power of that uh, live video. And since then, I mean, as I think I told you guys during uh, uh, the Prime days, when I'm seeing sports celebrities uh, uh, hawking their 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 uh, their products, you know, through live streaming, I thought, well, it's pretty mainstream now. Scott, you and I have been talking about this. Uh, you know, you and I have known each other for quite a while, as I've known everyone. And, uh, you know, it's always the next big thing. Live streaming is, is not, in one way, it's it's new. In another way, the adoption hasn't really been there. Do you think, from what you're hearing, that uh, a lot of people on the retail side are really going to really gonna put dollars, t- both time and treasure, towards that in uh, 2021? I think it depends on the brand. If it's a high-touch brand already or the luxury fashion category uh, or home furnishings, you know, if you need to really get a better feel for what you might be buying, I think we'll see more of that, uh, which kind of, it kind of combines with a appointment-based retailing, you're, but you're doing it you know, in a digital format, you know, through Zoom or FaceTime or something like that. 
I think it's the jury's still out on how widespread it's going to be and how how it's going to be adopted by that many consumers. Mm. I think what the what the jury is in, if we <laughs> do the opposite, is that tourism uh, in 2021 and probably well into 2022 will not be what it was before. I was reading a report on uh, on Manhattan, and they were talking about 2025 before they got back to 2019 levels. So, Kent, back to something you were saying, which was uh, and something I've been thinking a lot about. You know, there's uh, there's an incredible amount of retail uh, in Canada, for example, that is from uh, foreign tourists. I mean, we had I think the numbers like 800,000 uh, Chinese nationals come here in 2018 and, and they each spend like a couple thousand dollars and they stay, you know, it's a long way to come over. So they stay for, for quite a while and, and the economies are missing that and, and those dollars aren't flowing, but they are right. They're flowing on this backbone of e-commerce. So I, I can really see the next level of, of cross border just purely because of the, of the lack of physical transportation. Yeah, no, Michael, great point. Uh, Remind me to come back to your note about 2025. Uh, one of our sponsors, the, the team over at Flow, was kind enough to give us some 2025 predictions. So I'll come back <laughs> come <on>. to that. It's <laughs> uh, great. But, you know, interesting. I was talking to Diego at, at Knock Knock. Uh, he's one of our guys in Latin America that, that gives us uh, the debrief. Those guys are integrating different cross-border marketplaces Really cool stuff that they're doing. I talked a little bit about, you know, kind of what was hot in LATAM. And it was interesting because he immediately started talking about the, the lack of travel. You know, everybody mm. knows that, you know, the the, Brazil, the jet set in Brazil, you know, yeah. fly to Miami and basically, you know, go to town. So you know, I can only imagine what some of the luxury retailers that are based in Miami, how they're suffering. But we definitely have seen uh, that shift of that luxury travel spend online and you know these folks are wealthy enough to pay the extra costs for the the cross-border markups and things like that you know again the avoiding that whole massive tariff at the Mm -hmm. at the border in brazil is something that really has always helped you know with this this travel so you know there's obviously it's not as efficient but on the other hand they are they are you know they can't travel to miami and so they're you know they're just spending their their hotel and flights on on tariffs, which you know, I guess maybe the the Brazilian government likes. But it was interesting talking a little bit about. You're certainly seeing a little bit of a comeback in Brazil and Latin America. Uh, from what I heard, Argentina has been a bit of a nightmare. The whole uh, the kind of the the shift in government down there. Uh, the thirty percent taxes back for overseas. Argentina, we had done something at Gelf Latam, which was our first regional event that we did back uh, May of, of 2019. And, you know, would love to try to revisit uh, what's going on in Latam, you know, potentially late spring or summer when we do a virtual Gelf Latam. But we had seen a lot of progress in, in Argentina. So, that, so that's, you know, kind of dialed back a little bit. But, you know, back to your point about the 2025 data. It was interesting when I I talked to our friends over at Flow about some of the predictions. They're actually looking at their numbers and they're they're seeing, you know, obviously tremendous cross-border growth as people diversify their markets. So it's probably a topic I should have brought up earlier in the big buckets. One of the bigger trends we saw in 2020 was this idea of, of risk mitigation by being able to diversify. So if one market, you know, if, if, if Italy or Spain, you know, gets shut down, you know, are you able to, to 
shift your focus to China, which had already come out of the lockdown, you know, by then. So mm-hmm. this idea of, of using cross-border e-commerce as a, as a retail sales mis, uh, risk mitigation strategy is something that, you know, we've, we've talked about for years, obviously, but I think the world was introduced to that. So what does that mean? Uh, the flow folks are saying that based on their numbers and, and I guess their crystal balls, by 2025, they're seeing the amount of international traffic, uh, you know, coming to the to the largest global websites, is going to surpass the amount of domestic travel. So, wow. in 2025, wow. there'll be more international shoppers at you know large global brands selling direct based in the U.S. Uh, than coming from domestic. So, uh, yeah, that that's a bit of a reach, but we're also hearing that that trend might very well apply to smaller retails, which in many cases we 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 see that. In fact, I might even see that happening earlier than that. We've seen a lot, especially the digital native brands that have, uh, you know, kind of come out of the gate in the last three to four years. They've always been global out of the gate. Many cases, and, and Jim, I know you've talked to some of some folks uh, and hosted some sessions. We see 30%, 40% of their sales within the first year coming from international. I, I know you guys did a, uh, a session with Global E on that one, Jim. Yeah, certainly we see the the digital natives in general just being very globally out of the gates, as you say. And, and I, I do think that they're also companies that were built from the ground up to be agile and nimble enough to pivot towards, you know, where demand is happening. Obviously, this year has has taught us a lot from a supply chain perspective in terms of getting inventory in the right you know location to serve in different customers. So that that's a whole different you know challenge there. But I think part of it is in the, from those digital natives perspectives, their 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 ability to quickly shift you know and uh, go after you know top line revenue at least from uh, where uh, the markets you know really are. are are, are kind of hotter, so th- that's something that we know the the bigger you know enterprises and and those who probably probably are, are further the still early days and perhaps their digital uh, transformation they don't even have close to that kind of nimbleness you know to to again you know pivot like that so those are the kinds of things that you know we we think are just so. You know, based upon that that heavy data and analytical you know foundation that says you follow the the trail of breadcrumbs to say well where are we going to get the best bang you know for our buck and it's really where we are you know bullish on a lot of these digital natives for capturing a lot of the uh, the share that uh, big incumbents you know have kind of had troubles with this year Thanks to Kent, Scott, and Jim for their insights in what lies ahead for 2021. Stay tuned for part two, where we explore the implications of Brexit, government's increasing search for tax revenues, and the year of the partner. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and now on Amazon Music Podcast Channel or your favorite podcast platform. Please rate and review with a five-star rating and be sure to recommend to a friend or colleague in the retail and cross-border commerce industry. I'm Michael LeBlanc, founder and president of Emmy LeBlanc Company, Inc. You can learn more about me on www.meleblanc.co. You can learn more about the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum and continue to keep up with the latest on cross-border commerce at www.globalecommerceleadersforum.com. Until next time, have a safe week.